Hi, everybody. Ezra Levan is my name. What a pleasure to be here. What it do, as the kids say. You know, as I mentioned to you yesterday, I used to do these live streams every single day. At the beginning of the pandemic, then I got just so busy running the company because we doubled in size. But I, I miss it. I like doing it. And um, I figured I can do half an hour a day, no problem. You know, there's no, I'm not that busy that I can't do it. There's so many things I want to talk about. Now, every night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, I do a full scripted show, a TV-style show called The Ezra Levant Show. So that remains my primary editorial outlet. But there's certain things I just want to yap about, scratch an itch. I mean, yesterday, it's just too much. This clip I'm going to show you, it's just too much. You know, uh, do you know who the president of Europe is? And you might say, Ezra, Europe is a continent. It's not, it doesn't have a president. Well, actually, there's something called the European Union, which has a tremendous amount of political power over its member states. And, for example, they have a joint foreign policy, a joint military policy in Europe, which is ridiculous. It, it really is like giving the United Nations control of your country because no one country has a majority. Obviously, the big countries like France and Germany um, far outweigh the littler countries. It's just a terrible way, an anti-democratic, anti-sovereign way to live. But they have a, actually, there's different presidents. There's the president of the European Commission. There's other presidents. But the main president, there's really five ways of saying who's the president of Europe. But one of them is a German politician named Ursula von der Leyen. And you, you might recognize her if you follow European politics. And if you're lucky, you don't. She just said something yesterday about high energy prices that is so perfect. It's, it's too perfect. It's, if you were writing a Hollywood movie script and sent the script to your agent, he'd say, no, that's too on the nose. It's too much. No one will believe it. You got to be more subtle. Well, no, this is real life. This ain't a Hollywood movie script. Take a roll that clip of Ursula von der Leyen talking about high energy prices in Europe. High because, well, for one thing, they ban fracking, they ban energy production in Europe. But number two, they decided about a decade ago, actually goes back longer than that, to import their energy from Russia. All right, well, Russia is an authoritarian regime run by a president for life who's a former KGB agent, Vladimir Putin. And... Um, he likes making money, but he also likes using Gazprom, the world's largest natural gas company, as a political weapon. It's called a strategic company in Russia. So it's controlled. It, it, for example, can enter into no foreign contracts without the Kremlin's approval. It really is a kind of fascist uh, combination of business and politics. And so after Russia invaded Ukraine, Europe, put on various sanctions on Putin and the oligarchs. They did not cut off their gas purchases, but now Russia's saying, well, you know what? Maybe we'll cut you off. Maybe we'll put sanctions on you. And the thing is, you don't have to take away 50% of the energy to cause prices to skyrocket. You take away 10 or 20% and prices skyrocket because energy is what they call non-fungible, sorry, non-inelastic. Sorry, I used the wrong word. It's inelastic. The demand is inelastic. What I mean by that is you you have to heat your home in the winter. You just have to. And you're going to heat your home if it costs you 100 bucks a month or 1000 bucks a month. It's got a price inelasticity of demand. Other things, like if the price of a can of Coke doubles, triples, or goes up 10 times, 
times, your demand falls. You say, well, I won't drink a Coke or I'll switch to Pepsi or I'll switch to water. You don't have to have Coke. But if it's natural gas to heat your home and there's no other energy source because you've shut down the nukes and you shut down the coal and you ban fracking, you will do everything you can not to freeze. So you will buy, I mean, you might set your thermostat a little bit lower or higher, but you must buy your energy no matter what. Price inelasticity of demand. People will pay almost anything for energy when it's there's a shortage. So like I say, you only have to turn off a little bit of the taps for people to panic. So here's what Ursula von der Leyen had to say to Europeans about these huge price spikes. This is too perfect what she says. Take a listen. And this is what is expensive because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands. We will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours, and we will work very closely with the member states to achieve this. And this is what is expensive, because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands. We will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours, and we will work very closely with the member states to achieve this. And this Flatten the curve. Did you hear that? She, she actually said that. Just going to flatten the curve. Just two weeks to flatten the curve, kids. That was the lie that started the lockdowns. The virus lockdowns, the pandemic lockdown. Hey, just two weeks to flat. Don't, no, 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 don't you worry. We're telling you you can't leave your house. We're telling you you can't go to school. You can't go to your business. We're telling you you can't travel. You can't go to weddings or funerals. We're telling you, but don't you worry. Don't worry your pretty little head. It's just two weeks till we flatten the curve. I swear to Jehovah, she just said two weeks to flatten the, she, she said, I just need you to flatten the curve just on energy use. And we're going to instruct our member countries. That's how it worked. What was the word she used? Did she say instruct? Can you play the last 15 seconds of that clip? I forget the term she used for what she's going to tell the member countries. Remember, not a single European voted for this woman. Uh, you know, some Frenchmen voted for Macron. Some Germans voted for their chancellor. I forget the name of the new guy. Uh, some Brits voted for Liz Truss. Actually, she hasn't been in the general election yet. That's the new British PM. Not a single person had a ballot that chose this lady. And what's the word she said she's going to say to the member countries? I, I missed it. Play that one more time. Avoid the peak demands. We will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours. And we will work very closely with the member states to achieve this. Okay, so she just says she'll work very closely. But she's proposing a mandatory cap on your energy use during peak hours. Mandatory. That's not it. You know, and I, I don't want to give all this away because I'm going to talk about the same subject tonight on my show. But I just got to play you one more clip. And this is from a Ger the German uh, politician speaking. I like the fact, you know, Germany, about 90% of Germans speak English. Not quite. It's, it's a, they really do speak English. It's uh, lucky for us who speak English and not German. 
Uh, can you find that German politician? I think it was yesterday who said <clears throat> she's going to support this crisis as long as it takes in the interests of Ukraine beating Russia at war, no matter the pain it causes to German voters, German citizens. Here, let's listen to this clip. It's just incredible. This woman actually was elected by Germans. Take a listen. But if I give the promise to people in Ukraine, we stand with you as long as you need us, then I want to deliver, no matter what my German voters think, but I want to deliver to the people of Ukraine. And this is why, for me, it's important to be always very frank and clear. And this means every measure I'm taking, I have to be clear that this holds on as long as Ukraine needs me. We are facing now a winter time where we will be challenged as democratic politicians. People will go on the street and say, we cannot pay our energy prices. And I will say, yes, I know. So we help you with social measures. But I don't want to say, okay, then we stop the sanctions against uh, Russia. We will stand with Ukraine, and this means the sanction will stay also in wintertime, even if it gets really tough for po politicians. But if I give the promise to right. people in Ukraine, Thank we you. stand. So, um, <clears throat> really, it's not that Germany's putting sanctions on Russia. It's Russia's putting sanctions on Germany because it's the reduced amount of natural gas flowing from Russia to Germany that's causing the price hikes. That's not, German, German sanctions aren't doing that. Russian sanctions are. I just find it odd that a German politician, in her case, I believe she was elected by the German voters, and she's saying, no, that I don't really care what my German citizens say. I am going to support the war in Ukraine, the Russia-Ukraine war, as long as it takes. I don't know whose interest that is in. I, I haven't heard any party really talk about peace negotiations. Um, I don't know what the exit strategy is for Ukraine because I see that NATO and Russia, I mean, really, really it is NATO and Russia that are fighting there. There's, according to the New York Times, the CIA and other... American trainers and, and advisors are really running a lot of the war within Ukraine. Certainly, it's Western weapons. You know, there's massive spending on weapons. I think that they're grinding down, either grinding down the Russian military, that's for sure, but they're grinding down Ukraine, not just Ukrainian military, but the Ukrainian people. And I don't see any path out of it. How is it going to end? Just endless, endless casualties on both sides? When, when do negotiations start in earnest? I find it deeply depressing. And I'm not, I'm not a peacenik by any, by any stretch, but I've just, I just see this brinksmanship on all sides. And here you have a German senior politician saying, we will impose basically unbearable economic costs. We will drive our people into economic energy poverty in the cold winter, and I will just tell them that it's going to last as long as it takes. Um, 
I don't know. They had a they had a rally. I think it was in the Czech Republic a few days ago where I saw reports between 50,000 and 100,000 Czechs saying, we don't want a part of this. I don't think those Czechs are pro-Russian. I mean, maybe some of them are. I think, uh, I think they just said, well, hang on, we didn't vote on this. We didn't sign up for this. We don't see the plan here. Yeah, show, show that clip. I think that was from the Czech Republic, wasn't it? Um, those people are rallying ag against the war so who are they targeting? Because Russia invaded Ukraine. When they say they're against the war, I, I truly think they're against the war. But I think the, the specifics of that protest, at least from what I read, were they didn't want the Czech Republic to, to use, to offer its own economic, its own economy as a weapon in the war. I don't know. I just find it odd that... Uh, the parties of the left who used to be the parties of peace and you know get out of Vietnam and end the draft and you know I guess it was Eisenhower the Republican who used the phrase military industrial complex but that that used to be something that the left said that's used to be something that you know um like the like the anti-war movement in the United States for 50 years has been leftist. Those against the Cold War were leftists or even communists. Those against the Vietnam War were leftists, often countercultural activists. Those against the Iraq War. Um, I don't know. It's just incredible that there is no left-wing anti-war movement anymore. And those few who do speak up against it are called Putin shills. It's, it's a kind of new Red Scare McCarthyism. I'm against Vladimir Putin. I wrote a whole book, um, well, two books actually, the, the thesis of which was we must disarm Putin, uh, not militarily but economically, by providing an alternative to Russian oil and gas, namely Canada's oil sands and fracked natural gas. Um, I don't know, it's astonishing to me that there is no movement against this war. The only thing we hear, including from Germany, which has been quite liberal and pacifist since the Second World War, there's a bellicosity there that I don't recognize. And I'll talk more about the energy battles on tonight's uh, live stream. But I want to take 10 minutes to talk about a fascinating story I saw on the CBC. Um, it's about the World Economic Forum. I'm 50 years old. Can you imagine how old I am? A half a century. And I've been reading since I was a teenager, really. And I, until a few years ago, the only journalist in Canada who seemed to write about the World Economic Forum was a guy named Terence Corcoran of the Financial Post. And I always read Terry's stuff. I used to work for him 20 years ago. I really admire him. He's really smart. He's a great journalist. Uh, I'd, I'd say he's a little more on the libertarian side than the conservative side. One of my favorite guys in the world. But I thought, Terry, there you go again, banging on about the World Economic Forum. I don't even know what that is. Who are they? It's a forum? Like, what's a, what's a forum? Is it like a, like what is? I didn't really know what it was. And Terry would always talk about these schemes at the World Economic Forum. And he's been writing about them for probably 20 years. And I would read his stuff, but I just would never get revved up by it. Because I thought, a what is a forum? It's like you're telling me to to care about like some debating society or some like, you know, speakers 
like TED, TED Talks or something? What do I care about TED Talks? Like I didn't get what it was until fairly recently. And I mean, God bless Terry for carrying the torch for two decades when literally no one else cared. Now, maybe it's the era of social media that it's easier to catch glimpses of what this forum is. Uh, and especially its cartoonish boss, Klaus Schwab, who looks like a Bond supervillain. He just really does. And he speaks with that accent. He's really a piece of work. You can't blame a guy for his father, but Klaus Schwab's father actually moved to Nazi Germany to run a factory. Like he went to join the Third Reich as an industrialist. You, again, like with Ursula von der Leyen saying, we're just going to flatten the curve on energy. It's too on the nose. Like you're the son of a prominent Nazi industrialist and you've just got that thick German accent and, um, and just without any sense of irony or self, self-awareness, you say Bond villain things. Like, yeah, go ahead, play the clip you got on the screen now. Um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy forum. And that's true in Argentina too. Wow. Yeah, there you go. We, we penetrate, you know, and he says, and listen, by the way, I like Germany. Um, and, and I like Germans. And, um, but there's something about a guy in a German <laughs> accent, we have penetrated the cabinets. And uh, half the members of the cabinets are uh, World Economic Forum uh, agents. Don't say that out loud. You sound like a Bond supervillain. And some people will say, hey, oh, he's just boasting. He's just bragging. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it's actually true. Jagmeet Singh, Christia Freeland, Justin Trudeau. It really is half the Canadian cabinet and... Jack Mead Singh's not in the cabinet, but they really have groomed an entire cohort, an entire generation of anyone vaguely on the left, the globalist left. And of course, Christian Freeland, the deputy prime minister, some might even say the de facto prime minister of Canada, she's literally on the board of directors of the World Economic Forum. How is that even kosher? I mean, would you allow the deputy prime minister to be on the board of directors of Exxon or IBM or Apple? Yeah, put it on the screen. This is literally from the World Economic Forum homepage. Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, um, Christia Freeland, the Honorable Christia Freeland, uh, Member of Parliament, blah, 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 and her biography. And then scroll down right at the end. I'm pretty sure it's right at the end. Down, 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 down. Um, a member... She is a member of the forum's board of trustees. So it's not just that Klaus Schwab has penetrated our cabinet. It's that one of our, I would say the de facto prime minister, like Justin Trudeau's on holidays, 
half the time, and maybe that's a good thing. Christian Freeland, in many ways, is the de facto prime minister. But you're on the if you're on the board of trustees or board of directors or board of governors of any institution, you have a certain fiduciary duty to them. You have a loyalty to them. You have a confidentiality to them. You you owe them your care. Um, you can't do that while also having that oath of loyalty to care. You just cannot have two masters. You can't ride two horses. You must pick a lane. Um, that's why I remember when Stefan Dion became leader of the opposition briefly, the matter of his French passport came up because, you know, that likely wouldn't be a factor. But if France and Canada ever had a disagreement, for example, if Quebec separated and France sided with uh, Quebec, it's just a hypothetical scenario. If you're a loyal French citizen, whose side are you on? You've got to pick one lane. If you want to be the Prime Minister of Canada, how about care enough only about Canada that you're, you know, you're going to give up all your other girlfriends? And Stefan Dion squawked. He didn't want to give up his uh, side chick, you know, uh, his French passport. Why is Christia Freeland, you know, a heartbeat away from being prime minister? Why does she care so much about being on the board of the World Economic Forum? Canada's not big enough for her. Canada's not enough work for her. She has time to do her duties as a World Economic Forum trustee. Trustee, she's trusted. She's trusted with their funds. She's trusted with their agenda. She's trusted with their secrets. How can you be loyal to Canada and Canada's interests if you have a carve out saying, except for anything to do with the World Economic Forum? Now, the World Economic Forum is not a niche thing. It's not like, um, let's say, a hockey team. Let's say Christian Freeland was on the board of directors of uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay, so... That, that could be a conflict of interest, but it'd be very rare. And it doesn't touch on 99% of the things that a Canadian finance minister would touch on. The Canadian finance minister does have things to do with an NHL hockey team. There's government grants, there's tax rules. But, but it's probably less than 1% of what a finance minister would do, anything to do with the NHL. But there's nothing that the World Economic Forum does not touch on. There's nothing it doesn't weigh in on. There's nothing economically, financially. There's nothing politically. There's nothing in terms of tech or privacy. How can you be loyal to one institution that is not the Canadian government and also loyal to Canadians? It makes no sense. Now, listen, yesterday I went on a little bit long, and uh, that detained my friends who come on after me. So I'm going to make sure I wrap up on time today at the bottom of the hour. Do we have any Super Chats? Not yet. Okay, I, I, I saved five minutes to talk about Super Chats. But let me give you a little bit of a teaser about um, this CBC article. I'll take up the next five minutes talking about the CBC article. I didn't get into it today. But look at this story. Look at this headline. World Economic Forum official says Canada has bigger issues to discuss than conspiracy theories. Adrian Monk responds to criticism disinformation campaigns targeting the World Economic Forum. Now, this P this story looks like it's written by Peter Zymonchik, if I'm pronouncing that right. But actually, he's just writing up a radio interview done by another CBC reporter called Kathy Cullen with this guy, Adrian Monk. And it's a 15-minute radio interview, so obviously I'm not going to play it all now. But here's a short clip of it that uh, our head of video cut. This is only about... Uh, 
minute and a half long. Here, just take a listen to this. There, there's other fascinating things in the interview, but let me play this minute and 42 seconds for you. Go ahead. What do you think this is about then for Pierre Polyev? I can't really speculate as to what, uh, what a politician uh, decides to uh, campaign on, but I do think that when it comes to campaigning, I look at Germany, for example, where they've been under a huge threat from Russian disinformation. And politicians on all sides have agreed not to use a variety of different materials that have been circulated kind of nefariously. They've acted to really you know, put up defenses against this information. And I think leaders of every single political stripe in Canada probably need to do the same. Because I think if you're in, you know, Canada should be talking about a lot of things right now. It shouldn't really be talking about the World Economic Forum based here in Geneva. You know, there are bigger issues really for it to be thinking about. That ought to be the kind of thing that politicians on the stump are talking to voters about. And it, to me, it's something that reflects on our democratic systems. We need to protect our public spheres. We need to protect them from outside interference. We need them protected from state actors and bad faith actors. And if that conversation can be protected, then perhaps we can have the kind of public sphere where real policies and real measures are discussed. Uh, rather than kind of phantoms, enigmas, and conspiracy theories. Politicians of every single stamp need to look very hard at the language that they use and where some of this stuff comes from. And if it's coming from a space of disinformation and in particular anti-Semitism, I think they need to have a very hard look at themselves and a very hard look in the mirror. Just absolutely stunning. That was a minute and 42 seconds of a 15-minute interview. Now, so that guy is one of the masters of the universe. He works for that son of a Nazi, Klaus Schwab. And I don't know if you, you he was saying that in Germany, politicians of every stripe have agreed not to talk about certain things. Really? I didn't know that. And he says that other countries like Canada, which he was talking about, should do the same. He said that there should be a protected conversation where you're not allowed to talk about things that he doesn't think you should. And he's very specific. He says Canada should not be talking about the World Economic Forum. And he says all of this is in the interest of democracy. Don't talk about things. Have a collusion amongst politicians not to talk about certain things. Um, oh, and by the way, if you talk about us, you're anti-Semitic. No, brother. Uh, it's your boss who... Uh, worked for the Nazi. You got another cut, you say? Yeah, two chats. Oh, two chats. Um, you know, it, it's actually, he just launched a new conspiracy theory, didn't he? He said that politicians in Germany have agreed amongst themselves not to talk about um, nefarious information. Or he said actually information that was circulated nefariously. Is there a nefarious way to to send an email or, or something like that. I found that really weird and incredible. I, I don't have time to go into it now because I got to get off the show and I'm going to read the Super Chats in a second. But uh, I listened to the 15 minutes. I might do a show on this uh, uh, this week. I listened to the 15 minutes and this CBC reporter who obviously knows nothing about the world, she was like me 10 years ago reading a Terry Corcoran article and saying, what's that World Economic Forum? I don't know anything. Someone obviously wrote her questions for her. Maybe the World Economic Forum did. Maybe Christian Freeland's staff did. And um, what was incredible is uh, she, she asked, well, what about this video where you say 
you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And Adrian Monk says, yeah, that was something we did. Well, what about the Great Reset? That's a conspiracy theory. Well, yeah, that was a project. So every question she had wasn't, no, that's fake. It was confirmed. <laughs> it was confirmed. I was waiting for 15 and a half minutes for the conspiracy theory. I couldn't, they had none. But you had a conspiracy that he told you about. Apparently, German politicians have agreed amongst themselves not to talk about certain things. Oh, okay. And there were twice that this same Adrian Monk said that Russia was behind the anti-WEF propaganda, but he said he didn't have any proof of that. So the only conspiracy theory we heard was by this guy, Adrian Monk. And the CBC reporter just ran with it. She was too dumb to have any questions of her own. She knew nothing about her subject matter. I, you know, I forgive her in that I knew nothing about the World Economic Forum 10 years ago when I was just reading Terry Corcoran write about it. But you'd think if you were tasked by the CBC to ask a World Economic Forum master of the universe some questions, you might do your homework first. But she works for Trudeau CBC State Broadcaster. She's not allowed to. Incredible story. And by the way, we're going to keep covering the story uh, as we always do. Now I'm going to read a couple of super chats and I'm out of here. Adam in Ottawa says, how does the CBC continue to deny the existence and influence of the World Economic Forum? The evidence is over it. You don't even have to go digging for it. Who's promoting fake news now? Well, exactly. I mean, um, I don't know if it's fake news that the German politicians have colluded amongst themselves to, to not talk about nefarious things, but that's a hell of a, a conspiracy theory uh, that I'd like to check if it's true or not. And, um, and saying, and, the, and you heard the man say, don't talk about us. You should not talk about us. If you care about democracy, stop talking about us. Yeah, mate, you're not making you're not making the case you think you are. I mean, the CBC girl nods along, but she's paid to do that. Another uh, comment from Adam Ottawa. Some dude from the World Economic Forum has no business telling Canadian voters what matters in elections. That's undemocratic. Well, look, as you point out, he's just some dude in the World Economic Forum. But is that Christia Freeland's view also? Like I say, she's a trustee for the World Economic Forum. She swears loyalty to it. She owes it them a fiduciary duty. She, she works for them. She guides them. And you just heard that their view is that Canada should not talk about certain things. Okay, is she loyal to Canadians and our belief in free speech? Or is she loyal to this guy? Do you see what I mean about you can't be loyal to two different forces? Well, it's 1232. I'm going to get out of here and let uh, my friends take over. But before I do, I want to show you. Uh, are we showing the, the trailer for our new movies that we're doing? Oh. Uh, my friend Sid Fizard has a video from Coots. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is a news story about uh, a fellow who was arrested. I don't know exactly what video we have, but I'm going to say goodbye to you now. Great to be with you. I'm away tomorrow. I should be back on Friday. Um, watch this video from Sid, and then I'll let my colleagues take over. All right, everybody. Cheers. So you just want Coots 2.0 to escalate? This is the perfect situation? Well, that's not what we want. Oh, I think so. Last week in southern Alberta, the RCMP sent a SWAT team after a Coots blockade supporter for allegedly attempting to take down a fence. And then the Crown tried to throw him in prison over whether or not he'd be allowed to talk to his best friend. I just want to give a big shout out to the support group that, that came out tonight to support this, right? Because without them, I truly would have been a leopard remand. So I really do want to give a heartfelt Shout out to the ones that showed up and, and supported us today.
Today we're talking about Alex, one of the thousands of Albertans who showed up for the Coots blockade, a peaceful protest which forced the lifting of COVID mandates in Alberta and acted as a catalyst for Premier Jason Kenney's stepping down as the UCP leader. It clearly is not adequate support to continue on as leader. And that is why tonight I have informed the president of the party of my intention to step down as leader of the United Conservative Party. Alex showed his support for the blockade as a Southern Albertan and a salt of the earth Canadian. And like many, the Democracy Fund is helping him fight blockade tickets via truckerlawyer.ca. Donations qualify for a charitable tax receipt crowdfunded through your support. His lawyers have been fighting tooth and nail since the beginnings of the blockade for those who put it all on the line to peacefully protest vaccine mandates. To start, Alex received a minor warrant for allegedly trying to take down a fence. This came after the events of Grace Life Church, which saw Pastor James Coates spend over a month behind bars, and the church itself fenced off entirely to prevent congregants from attending service. Meanwhile, Jason Kenney was breaking his own COVID rules, fine dining above the rest of us. But not Alex. You see, Alex, like many Albertans, learned to peacefully voice his concerns over the past few years. And when he heard about what was going on at Grace Life Church, he decided that he wanted to go and hear the pastor speak. Some people attempted to take the fence down, and then other people put the fence back up, assisting the RCMP officers on site. For this incident, Alex was charged with mischief under $5,000 and obstructing a police officer. It's been a long time since that Grace Life Church incident, and recently the RCMP actually sent a SWAT team after Alex for, again, allegedly attempting to take down a fence. Now, what ended up happening was that Alex had a conversation with the person in charge of the uh, supposed SWAT team, and he said, and he did, come in later that day to show up and to sign the conditions of release and deal with any paperwork. Because he was involved in the Coots blockade, however, the Crown attempted to force Alex into a no-communication condition with others at the blockade, including a lifelong friend of his. Alex absolutely refused to sign this condition, but instead of being hauled away to Lethbridge remand, he actually was released to a peaceful protest that was growing outside this little Fort McLeod RCMP detachment throughout the day. Here's Alex to give you an understanding of how things unfolded and how he became a free man. So the reason uh, there was a warrant out for my arrest regarding uh, Grace Life Church, they had some fences uh, surrounding the Grace Life Church and uh, I attended there to you know, listen to the minister there to give a message and uh, that warrant's been around for a few years now and um, they kept pressuring and, and for me to come in and today they showed up at, uh, at our residence with quite a large SWAT team to, to come and enact that warrant. Um, I was able to have a conversation with the, the constable in charge and uh, had arranged for me to come in and deal with these matters. And he promised me that I would be out before supper time. So I showed up at the RCMP station. It was hanging over my shoulders and I wanted it dealt with. So when I got there, we discussed a few things. He said, it's going to take a little time to get all the paperwork drafted up and fingerprints. And said, okay, that's fine. This is... So that crowd grew, right? Um, obviously, I, I wasn't aware of what was going on outside, but obviously that crowd was growing. And uh, I came to doing the fingerprints and all the, the signing, the promissory notes that appear in court. When all of a sudden, the last charge of mischief came from Coons. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, okay, I was aware of that. He did tell me that there was an additional charge since the Grace Life Church incident. So then all of a sudden I'm reading down there, and, and it says that I was not to have any contact with uh, Marco and George Jansen, Marco Van Hugenbos. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not agreeing to that. So Marco has been my best friend for too many years, right? So Welcome to part two of the Rebel News Daily live stream, rebelnews.com slash live streams. Myself, Andrew, with Mocha Bazurgan, who just woke up out of a coma. I'm just kidding, of course. And Sydney Fizzard, uh, great rock band name out of Alberta. How are you guys doing? Good. Very good. You? Doing pretty great. It's, uh, it's well. nice to be joining you. It's been a long time since we had a chat. Thanks for asking me how I'm doing, Mocha. You know, no one ever does. If you guys want to interact with us, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> if you guys want to interact with us, we'll take your paid questions and comments, remarks, compliments, links, whatever you guys want to throw at us through the Rumble Rants feature and, of course, the Odyssey Hyper Chats feature. Can't do it on YouTube. They don't love us anymore. Demonetized on there. So if you want to join us on the Rebel News live stream every day, which we know you do, it's rebelnews.com slash live streams, and you can interact with us in those ways. The first topic on my list here, boys, is uh, Crazy Mask Lady. I don't know if you guys saw this. It is a um, doctor, apparently a phys family physician, who is on the show um steve pakin i believe it is on ontario's government channel called tvo channel two he's a pretty left-wing guy but a lot of people see him as a fair interviewer he had a doctor on to talk about you know relinquishing vaccine mandates and if they should have another mask rule she came across as you know pretty unhinged as you can imagine so i want to get your guys' reaction to this after we play uh this clip Cut by the very talented producer Efron, I believe, yesterday. Can we go ahead and play this, guys? And I mean, no disrespect in asking this, but we've obviously done hundreds of programs during eyes. the course of COVID-19, and I don't think we've ever had a guest who kept their mask on during the interview. <laughs> so, again, with, without yeah. prejudice, I merely ask, how come you're wearing yours now? So let me explain. So I'm a doctor. I'm a family doctor. I see patients in my office. I just had patients who are in my office with their babies, and I have more patients coming in this afternoon. COVID is airborne. That means that COVID remains in the air even after you've left the room. I keep my mask on. It is a way to protect myself. It's a way to protect my patients. It's a way to protect my staff and the community. It is what Healthcare providers across the world are saying that we should be doing, and it's really not a hardship. I wear my mask from the moment that I arrive in my office in the morning until the end of the day. It's a simple, safe, effective measure. Gotcha. Okay. And I mean, no disrespect. Gotcha. Of course. I, without using the obviousness of look at her crazy eyes, what's your guys' reaction to that? I mean, honestly, my first reaction was, is her skin that red? Um, <laughs> but that does might be a camera thing. Um, but personally, you know, she might be a, a medical doctor, but she's uh, in need of some mental assistance, I would say. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've been to doctor's office, you know, and uh, when a doctor is speaking to me, he removes his mask. I guess he's a bad doctor and she's a great doctor. I don't know. Well, the, uh, I, I myself, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the mask. I'm not a fan of the mask at all. Yeah, likewise. Are we allowed to say it's no longer like? I think I think on YouTube you're allowed to question mask science now. As of a couple okay, thank uh, you, weeks YouTube. ago, uh, we've been granted that by the gods at YouTube. Um, <laughs> the idea that she's going to not catch something 
a floating virus that she's in a room with because her N95 is just not true. Um, it, it goes to the idea that when you're on a bus crammed next to each other or on a subway car and you're inches away from somebody, you're somehow safe if you're wearing a mask. I mean, you have ear holes, you have eye holes. Um, N95 not meant for, you know, virus protection, dare I say it, Sydney Fizzard. So I think we're just dealing with a crazy person. I think you look into her eyes and before you can even hear her speak, she looks like a crazy person. I've been cut off by YouTube, it seems now. I'm into the abyss. Uh -oh. I you spoke, went over the line. I spoke ill of masks. The government is shutting us down. Maybe they're doing uh, environment or lockdowns. Okay, now that I've praised them, I said a little prayer, I'm back. <laughs> I think you can just tell, speaking to this person, that they're a little bit unhinged. We're more than two years into it now. Everybody has moved on. And we're going to look at another clip. If you think, Andrew, you're a pretty judgmental guy based off that 30-second clip, we're going to look at another clip here where she talks about how the idea of taking off your mask and being able to claim that it's safe outside is actually just, you know, a right-wing fantasy, and you should probably be jailed for it. Last part of that is uh, my monologue, but here's let's play this clip. We're all getting back to normal now, folks. So let's start there. Are we back to normal yet? No. So the language that you use when you say something like uh, normal is a far right um, language of anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers and ableists who uh, disregard the impact of COVID on on seniors, on children, on educators, on essential workers, on healthcare workers, on our healthcare crisis. Uh, there's nothing normal about getting COVID, repeated infections, children and adults being hospitalized, and long COVID. There's nothing normal about taking away the protections and the proactive measures that we had to help to reduce transmission of COVID. And there's nothing normal about uh, getting rid of any kind of isolation requirements, which would have helped to curtail outbreaks in schools, in workplaces, and everywhere else that you go. We're all getting so back. First to of all, let's point out that she's out of breath while talking because she's wearing a mask, <laughs> but she may be you know, knowledgeable in her field, but she hasn't looked into any of this stuff. Nothing that she commented on there was accurate. Maybe you could argue that she said that uh, older people, uh, it's ableist to assume that old people don't need any extra care, but nothing she said there was true. I find it hard to believe that a person who works in the medical field can do zero research into something that's taken over our whole lives. But if we're going by her logic, then we should have been wearing masks all along and we should never take them off on the off chance that you might get sick with something that could sideline you for a couple weeks or be detrimental to people who are immunocompromised or otherwise have a poor immune system for the sake of being old or having another illness. Uh, guys, what do you think drives a person to continuously, you know, be hiding in this manner or be still so afraid of something that we know statistically the chances of a person dying are, are so slim? We've got a couple years on it now. And to her point about, you know, continuously getting affected, this doesn't set off any alarms in her regarding uh, COVID vaccinations or vaccine efficacy, she just bulls right through that and blames it on people, you know, not doing the thing that she suggests. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if she wants to tell us how to live, maybe she should run for office. I'm so happy that these experts are no longer the um, influencers of public opinion, because I think the public opinion has shifted they had power over us last year, the year before, 
but now it seems like that has diminished despite of her saying oh this and that we should do this this i'm a health worker i'm an example i'm setting an example we need to protect this group of workers that group of workers getting back to normal is a far-right conspiracy theory <laughs> blah 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 um the majority of people watch that and they say what is she talking about but she still thinks that we're the public opinion is um is this is the same as it was last year well Sid, people do you think that's true stop. sorry What's do you that? think that's true that people are watching that and saying this person's not making any any sense i think i think for the most part most people would be uh but i just want to say like those who continue to wear a mask you know I remember before this um, that it was a common thing that in China you would wear because of the smog, right? Now that's a, a different conversation, but there was a, a normalcy around it in that in relation to that. Um, but now people are taking it on as a, you know there's this moral umbrage and there's this fraction of a support it'll get. Well, you still see people wearing masks that'll go into a McDonald's or a Tim Hortons or wherever, um, and that fraction of a support uh, or a fraction of protection that you got from wearing a mask, you just lost because instead of making a coffee in the comfort of your home mm -hmm. own home away from everybody else, you decided you were going to go into a, uh, it's not a public kitchen, but basically might as well be. Uh, filled with a bunch of people that you don't know, uh, constant liquids are being handed around and you're going to still wear a mask. I mean, these people clearly have Stockholm Syndrome. They've been fed uh, a very, very harmful set uh, of uh, bits of information. And now they, they don't know how to relinquish themselves from that. And they think now, you know, if you take off the mask, you're bad. And, you know, I just want to say when it comes to wearing a mask, well, that's probably the least environmentally friendly thing they can do. And I bet you a lot of the people wearing masks are also strong advocates for the environment. Well, not to out myself here, but I went into a Starbucks on the long weekend and uh, nobody in there wearing a mask except for one um, older woman, probably in her 50s. She's wearing a mask and she's got her own little, you know, that felty paper that comes in packages um, when you first open a box. It's a softer paper to protect things. She's holding her phone in one of those um, inside of her purse to, I don't know, protect against germs. I've never seen anybody do that just for screen protection. And she's wearing a mask, so I think I did the calculation correctly. But she also has no problem being handed the cup by the barista who just had it handed to her by a second barista, all without gloves or anything. So a lot of contradictions going around there. And like you said, it's so important for you to go into this coffee shop, yet you feel it's dangerous enough to be wearing a mask. On the drive-in here in Toronto, I see families wearing masks outside, an old woman coming out of her mask, and I'm not exaggerating, coming out of her house, of her front door, in a mask with a shield on. So she's thinking that this environment, the wind's blowing all sorts of harmful yeah. particles into her direction, and if she wears a face shield, then she's somewhat protected more so, as opposed to air floating, you know, everywhere. It's terrifying for her. <laughs> well, and another thing people don't realize is that, you know, the lung system that we have in our bodies, yeah, sure, we intake oxygen and we disperse that oxygen through our, our blood veins to the rest of our body, sure. But we're also exhaling just as much as we're inhaling. And it's carbon dioxide, it's other bacteria, it's things that the body doesn't want. They don't just go through the rectum. They also get exhaled as a process of elimination for the body. And now all of that stuff that your body doesn't want Depending, of course, on the mask you have, if it is a proper real mask, not one of these, you know, ones that she was wearing or whatever. Well, she's exhaling all of that bad stuff that her body doesn't want 
onto that little surface that she's breathing through. So yeah, A plus there, good job on avoiding bacteria. But as well, I just want to mention, you know, over the last two years, when we're, uh, uh, you know, masks were made mandatory, you know, ma vaccines were made mandatory. When were eye goggles made mandatory? I mean, you can get COVID through your eyes. This isn't new. And yet, They've never said anything about you wearing safety goggles because it makes you look like a loser and they know they can't sell it. <laughs> yeah. Scientists. Sid I imagine this. The argument against those who didn't want to wear a mask was that, oh, you should wear it because it's keeping others safe. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, why don't you wear something that keeps you safe? <laughs> Rather because that makes you a good person if you're thinking of other people, Mocha. It's a one-way mask. He's confused. All right. Okay, maybe I'm selfish then. <laughs> you're not following the poor logic closely enough, I feel. We've got to go to an ad here. Um, we're going to be back with so much energy crises across the planet, California, EU. It's really entertaining, if not terrible and scary stuff. We'll be back in a moment. We started off this convoy calling it taking back our freedoms, but our freedoms are nobody's to take away. So we're going to restore everybody's freedoms. You know, lots of people came here wanting to only do a day. And uh, the word with all the truckers is they're now staying for many days, you know, like a lot of people now are planning on days and days in Ottawa, so. We are here to end the mandate. I am not leaving. Until we get what we want. We're not going to give up. I'm on lunch. I could be on lunch a long, long time. Go with Wow, I was, I thought Obi-Wan and Darth Maul were about to come on screen there. <laughs> that was wonderful. I hope that's the score for the entire documentary, Mocha. We have a lot to look forward to there. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. And we got the, the documentarian here, the uh, the editor. Let's, uh, let's hear it. How is it? Well, thank you guys for your interest. <laughs> it was a hard journey. It was cold from Calgary to Ottawa. We drove me and Celine and um, all the adventures that we have witnessed, the truckers, the brotherhood of the people, seeing them together, witnessing that unity. I, 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 I would call Efron, our head of video, I would be like, I don't know how I can translate this to you. And if I can't translate it to you, I don't know how I, how I could translate to the public. But there is something big going on. There's people everywhere on every range road on every intersection as we head to Ottawa. It's massive numbers of people. People are crying, hugging each other, giving, kids are giving like um, the mails that they wrote to truckers. Um, truckers are being, are being donated food, like um, money, drugs, all sorts of things. It was, it was a- Over-the-counter drugs. Yeah, it was it was really something to see. Gas as well. Gas as well was being donated. It's certainly a and, point of contention. Yeah, and I added classical music often in the trailer, in the documentary itself, because because um, the musics that I found 
that people could people knew and they could relate to. It also translates the adrenaline, the buildup mm -hmm. as we come close to Ottawa. Because when we were there that night, the first night to witness that convoy, we didn't know what was what was next. And it ended up with the enactment of the Emergencies Act. So, so this is up right now? This is going to be released on September 19. It's up okay. and live on rebelnewsplus.com at the moment. All right, and very good. Not only was that an incredible journey, but uh, I'm not sure if it was touched on, but you actually, after you left Ottawa, you made a, a pit stop in Coots where the blockade was yes, happening as well. Yes, I straight, so. I, you know, from Ottawa, we were with Alexa, Dakota, Lincoln, Toronto team. And then I straight drove down to Coots to unite with my Alberta teammates, Sid and Kian. Deep into the bunker of Coots where Sid emerged stronger than before. All right, we're going to transition to uh, energy emergencies. Of course, that's what they were going to call them now, guys. Over the last year and a half, people have been saying, well, what's coming next? And a lot of people, I'm sure people on this channel said, well, it's going to be energy and climate lockdowns. Have they put lockdowns in? No, not yet. Have they made it so that you don't control your own energy destiny? Yes. So in a way, I think it's the exact prediction that was made. I think they're initiating or instituting policy, whether it's written or not. I don't believe it is. Maybe in France, uh, Macron said, this is what you voted for. But they're instituting changes now where you do not have control over your own energy systems. And what I mean by that is in California, when they bragged about having renewable energies being the main source of their grid and it being independent, what they're talking about is that they could last for upwards of six minutes, I believe. They could power everything on renewables, of course, on inefficient wind and solar energy that you pay directly to China for all the parts for. Now, what's happening is people not being able to control their own air conditioning, for example, or their power. We saw a story out of Colorado where users of a certain uh, energy company were locked out of their thermostat. So it said you can't adjust your temperature because we're in a climate or environmental emergency. Now, given the fact that those people did sign up for it, many of them said they didn't um, have it explained to them properly. It was in fine print, et cetera, et cetera. Ian Miles Chong wrote about this, and I believe young Jeremy Lafredo, don't call him Seth Green, also commented on this. Um, so they technically knew about it. It was to save 100 or $150 a year, but they didn't expect that when it hit 95 degrees, the thermostat would say you can't turn your air conditioning on. We, uh, Yeah, let's show that for a second, producer Olivia, 22,000. That's a lot of people, 22,000 smart thermostats in Colorado locked over energy emergency sparking outrage. I mean, you kind of signed up for it, but that is the liberal way, you know what I mean? That's... Um, I'm going to sign sign up and vote for this. And then when it happens, oh, my God, how are you doing this to me? I don't know how this happened. And the same thing's happening in California now. The ISO, which I guess is the, uh, the, the people who monitor the energy services, they declared an emergency alert. We have not called for rotating power outages yet. Read the news release. Scroll down. What time was that at? Nine o'clock yesterday. Um if I'm getting my dates correct. Yes. So they started off to say, we're not calling for an emergency yet. We're just warning you guys. We're not having blackouts yet. Um, we don't need to see their press release. It goes on to talk about 
Um, the fact that last night, I think we can find something from look at Gopher Gavin Newsom's. Uh, yeah, that, that one right there, Dave Rubin. We can show that one. So then we've upgraded to we're now in a flex alert, says Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, what does that mean? We all need to conserve as much energy as possible during this record-breaking heat wave. And sidebar, there was a video of him saying, you know, September's heat wave is almost the biggest ever for California and Western states. We've all got to be vigilant. And then in the tweet, he says, here's what to do until 9 p.m. tonight. Set your thermostats to 78. Turn off unnecessary lights. Avoid using large appliances. So now we've gone to don't worry about it. Nothing bad's actually going to happen. We're just warning you guys to now we need to do this to save our energy grid. And then they've gone to rolling blackouts as of last night. So you volunteer at first, as we saw with vaccines and social distancing and everything. And if not enough people volunteer and do what they're told, well, then it's going to be forced upon you. So what we're going to start seeing moving forward in California is rolling blackouts and energy being turned down at night so that their grid doesn't overload. And they're going to act like, and they are acting like, Representative Eric Swalwell out of California is now acting like it's not the government's fault, you guys. So we've got the energy being turned down for people. You can't turn your air conditioning uh, down. You have to set it to 78 or higher, I believe Eric Swalwell said. And they're acting as if it's not their problem, and they didn't do it, even though they purposely turned off of traditional energy, energy sources, fossil fuels, um, to go towards this new energy and green energy um, reliance, which is completely failing them, but it's not their fault somehow. So here's what's happening um, in the view of Tim Poole. He lays it out pretty accurately um, of a dystopian future that, you know, you might have said is five years away, guys, but it's actually right now in California and places in Europe. Let's show this clip. It's 99 degrees. You go to set your thermostat, but you're locked out. Governor's mm -hmm. orders, he declared an emergency. So you decide, you know what, I'll go take a drive. You go to your electric vehicle, but the screen says no charge available. Car wasn't charging. Sorry, governor's orders. Governor's orders. Yeah. So you decided to walk down to the park and just go and get some fresh air. But the, the checkpoint down there, the, the tweet was limited. But there's a guy saying, sir, if you want to walk past me, you've got to scan your QR code on your phone. And you're like, I can't. My phone's dead. I can't use the electricity. I'm sorry, sir, with no QR code. And then they tase you. Mm. That's where the electricity goes. <laughs> then you go home. Back to your pod where you grab a bag of crickets to snack on and wait for the temperature yeah. to go down. Yeah, I uh, think that, that that is the future. You, you joke, but that is the future. This, if, if the Democrats and the liberals continue in the path that they're trying to, which is destroying us economically, politically, militarily, that's actually a real life scenario that could occur. Yeah. Look I at mean, California right now rolling correct. blackouts. It's 99. Considering consider a week ago, you guys, that they said they're going to end the production and sale of fossil fuel cars of gas cars in California within the next 10 years. And then a week later, they and the, to buy and you got to buy an electric car, you're saving the environment. Then a week later, you can't plug in your car and you can't turn on your air conditioning. How do you guys feel about this whole thing? Did it come faster than you thought it would? Do you think it's going to, you know, infect the rest of the Western world? You want to say it? You can go ahead. I, I think it's picking up more now. So, of course, uh, partly because, you know, the uh, energy transition, as they say, and whatnot. And I just want to touch on the fact that uh, the whole uh, environmental claims and this and that, and you know, changing our uh, our sources of energy from you know less natural gas and uh, oil based to let's say electric uh, or EV cars, you know, as they call them, the electric uh, vehicle cars. Uh, 
Uh, all of this revolves around the digitization of the combustion engine. Uh, and I say that because the combustion engine, you know, you put fuel in, you spark, you go. Well, your car used to just do that. And then they put a computer in it. And then the computer would tell you that, you know, your tire's flat when it wasn't, you know. And they, they do all of these sorts of things to infringe on your ability to use this simple device. That's so that they can have more avenues of control. Um, and they've they've gone down this path for a long time. And let's say, you know, nowadays you we have to go to electric vehicles. OK, well, that doubles the production. So instead of just creating a car, well, you have to create the battery and the car and the battery is going to have to get replaced. I mean, sure, a car would, too. Um, but you're using rare earth minerals and slave labor, basically, to make these batteries. And the end result is what allegedly a little less carbon. Meanwhile, you're digging up all these exotic materials that are creating these very harmful chemicals to the environment. Um, and the, the whole thing is really just backwards. And you think about Canada itself. Well, Canada, we are a northern country. OK, we have winter. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I got here, winter uh, picked up a notch compared to what it is in Toronto. Um, and you're not going to be able to survive if you're trying to live off electric. And especially if you're trying to uh, supply the power grid with electric. Well, all that's going to do is you're going to have your windmills in the day that are going to produce, you know, crumbits of uh, cr crumbles of energy. Uh, and then you're going to have either a coal or a diesel plant that's operating 24 seven. Uh, and it's going to be operating on low, basically, as a backup supply for energy. And that has to cycle up down to meet supply and demand. That'll change with the days uh, as you go from day to night. And, you know, in tonight, the wind kind of drops. Obviously, there's no solar at night. So these combustion engines are going to be picking up the slack. And that cycle up, cycle down actually causes more damage because it's uh, the, the influx in operation really des destroys and adds uh, expenses to the whole system. I want to see. Sorry, that was mouthful. No, no. I want to see freight trains, freight planes, trucks that are running based on electricity. Well, I mean, Trudeau's jet's a perfect example. Like, when are we going to see Justin Trudeau flying an electric jet? I mean, we know <laughs> he loves to use it. I mean, his jet is small, though. Exactly. So he should planes, be able to. Yeah, but these these big planes that carry our. Um, our products how are they going to do that mm -hmm. we are like already supply chain issues we were experiencing yeah. who knows how long it's going to last yeah, and well, inflation's picking up too i yep, don't think Andrew. it matters to them in the sense that this is exactly what they want they want you know everything to be too pricey for for the minions for the peons of society and they want and, and what's that extra let's say fifty dollars at the gas tank going to mean to somebody who makes a million dollars or more a year it's going to be annoying you're just going to be like oh why is it so high but you're still going to be able to do it justin trudeau or you know um joe biden and aoc aoc making i think you get a hundred grand a year as a member of congress um they're still going to be able to pay for whatever they, it is they want to do whether it's uh, increased price on meat or increased price on gas or you know they're going to get together with their little community of people let's say in hollywood which is in california of course has all these rolling blackouts well a bunch of these people who have 10 million dollars plus in the bank are going to say well we live in the same neighborhood why don't we just build our own energy grid our own mini grid here powered by whether it's you know diesel engines or we pay an electrical company to build a grid for us and pay them a hundred grand a year to monitor our electrical grid for us problem solved right i mean this is possible you see 
little um, electrical grids in, in places all the time and, and little uh, transistors and whatever on the corner of your street. And then when you, there's a, a blackout in your area, you check the blackout uh, map and you can see that it's one section of your town. What's to stop wealthy people from doing that for themselves? I would say probably nothing but a price point in finding people to build it for you. Are they going to care if um, a, a community down in Oakland or a community in West Hollywood as opposed to North Hollywood or wherever it is, are they going to care if those people don't have power? I mean, they might go on social media and say that they do, but they won't actually. Uh, Gavin Newsom gave this speech in California yesterday about the, the heat crisis, the heat wave, while he's wearing a fleece sweater. I mean, he can't be in a place that's not with air conditioning if it's 100 degrees in California. He's got to be using air conditioning while he films that video. So it, it, I don't think it's going to be a problem, whereas we actually run out of resources unless it's on purpose, which is what they've done in California, because they're just going to pay for it anyways. They're going to create their own little enclave. And that's what I think um, is starting to happen no matter where you look. Uh, the politicians are saying, we don't actually need public approval, just like Justin Trudeau over the last two years. We don't actually need permission. We never had to institute laws. You either comply or you suffer and freeze to death. Or in England, you close your pub. In Germany, you know, you run out of energy. In Africa, you have no lights. And uh, Lebanon is a place which is really suffering. I don't know if you guys have heard, maybe Mocha's read a bit about that. Racist comment. Why, why are you assuming that? <laughs> Because it's right near Turkey, Mocha, that's why. No, there's Syria. The Syria the Syria doesn't in... exist. That's a figment <laughs> of your imagination. That's a fake country. Um, I wanted to throw to, um, we don't know when this clip is from. It was posted recently, right, Olivia? Um, Hugh Jackman. He's promoting, I'll let you see what book he's promoting here, just for a nice fun surprise for the viewers. Commend Bill Gates' new book, How to Avoid a Climate <laughs> Disaster. Uh, it's astonishing. If you're at all intimidated by just the subject of climate change and a bit confused by the differing views, this is for you. It is so clear uh, where we're at right now and where we need to go. And it's just such a gift that one of the smartest people on earth has mm -hmm. made it so accessible for literally every person on the planet to understand this subject and know where we need to go moving forward and Looks Bill's an optimist and so easy to read stuff which sounds very pessimistic around the subject but there are ways for us to move forward and this book outlines it highly highly recommend it so either he's this a dumb usage person of the word lines. we like yeah. who is he referring to because i don't see him and i as we Listen, so i'm Wolverine not is just there. like you okay you're just yeah if he wants to um, stop using electricity and listen to bill gates who, as far as I'm concerned, has no capacity of comprehending how society works because it's so complex. And he's not going to be the one paying the price if things go south. So he, why should I listen to him? So why should I and that guy who refers to us as we, I'm like, no, no. Well, it's you. It's not me. The whole climate, you know, climate change thing. It's a joke. Um, you, they they see a natural disaster, like let's say uh, 
uh, a wildfire. They'll look at that and think, oh, humans are bad because we made the world so warm that there was a, a big fire. Oh, wow, look at us. Whereas uh, wildfires are actually good. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're, we're so self-absorbed. Like you think about a wildfire in reality. Well, there's a, a plethora of species out there and large trees and pines, whatever, uh, what have you, that their seeds literally require extensive heat for the, um, uh, what do you call it, the syrup or whatever to burn on the Release. outside, releasing the shell. Um, and they're not going to seed unless they get a wildfire. And then you think about, you know, a wildfire and the smoke that, you know, all the ash that goes up into the clouds and then, you know, might land on the city. And it's like, oh, you know, the end of days. Well, ash is one of the largest fertilizers we have for farmland. So if you've got 20,000 acres that all happen to have, you know, a little bit of ash fall on them. Well, that in the environment has just done you a favor. Um, but they they'll look at these things and they'll think, oh, it's the end of days. Like we still have coral reefs, right? Well, those are supposed to be gone by now. New York was supposed to be underwater. Florida was supposed to be underwater. Well, none of this thing, none of these uh, hypothetical situations actually happen. But anytime there is flooding, like I think uh, uh, there's some flooding in uh, in uh, West Asia right now. You know, these things literally happen. We build dams to pull water back, and then we change the way that the water flows through the environment. And every once in a while, that water builds up and smashes back into the way it was supposed to be. But we happen to have filled ourselves in the space where that water was, and now we face nature reverting back to its original shape. I'm not interested in um, the opinions of Jeffrey Epstein's friends no. <laughs> about how we should do things as a society. I can't wait for and the... Dean Blundell article. Sid Sydney Fizzard of Rebel News says wildfires are good. <laughs> in far right rant. Uh Bill Gates is not one of the smartest people in the world. I mean, his original stuff was stolen, just like Zuckerberg. And I would wager that Mark Zuckerberg's much smarter than Bill Gates because he actually did coding and everything and built and had engineers. Bill Gates just stole his idea from Xerox had his thing in his garage and then purposely built win uh i forget what the api was or whatever it was for windows to for it to break he got sued you can see his definition on deposition online he's also if somebody was to argue to hugh jackman about the climate i don't know him too well but let's let's then let's eliminate him if, if you had a your typical climate change leftist harpy arguing about this topic and they said, are you a climate expert or a climate scientist? And you said, no. Well, they'd be like, well, you didn't go to UCLA for that. But Bill Gates, <laughs> a guy who's predominantly about, you know, a user interface on a computer program. He's the expert in climate science now. A guy who spends zero of his time, you know, <laughs> doing anything other than going around giving speeches. He's also a vaccine expert. He's also a vaccine expert. He's a health expert, even though he looks like he's pregnant. That emoji that looks like him that everybody uh, laughed about. So Wolverine stick to, you know, human regeneration, Professor X, that sort of stuff. Uh, and Bill Gates, please stick to, you know, stopping windows from installing windows 11 on its own it's got its mind of its own sydney i don't know if you noticed that uh we got to go to another break uh we'll be back with some more coot stuff and uh the bank of canada and maybe if there's time we'll get to hillary clinton hey folks check out the newest arrival to the rebel news store yes f is for fidel and f is for father i mean could it be Yes, in half this photo, the colored half, 
is Justin Trudeau. The black and white half is a young Fidel Castro. Wait now, or is it vice versa? It's so confusing. I'm a huge Forensic Files fan. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a piece of Justin's DNA and a piece of Fidel's DNA and put the rumor to bed once and for all? But in the meantime, we'll just have to walk around wearing this shirt, hinting at a great Canadian conspiracy. Or is it? <laughs> in any event, if you want to get this shirt, folks, go to the Rebel News Store and check this out. Type in our new discount code, that's SUMMER, S-U-M-M-E-R. And if you buy two unisex t-shirts, you get an additional one for free. What a deal. Like I said, Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro. As they used to say on the ABC detergent ads, can you tell the difference? I can't tell the difference. Leave it to David Menzies to probably use a copywritten frame <laughs> slogan. Sid, I see you sporting our merch. When are we going to get a commercial of Sydney foraging? Oh, hello there. Didn't see you. <laughs> Something it, uh, working in somewhere. All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I can figure that. I'll forage for some uh, some hats and some shirts. Yeah, uh, but I just want to say, you know, guys, you gotta you gotta get that Rebel merchandise. You know, I got the hoodie. I got the hat right now. Uh, and of course, for me personally, you know, I, I'm probably wearing the hat too much. But Rebel, Rebel, it's all about psychological warfare. And if you want to join, <laughs> you want to be a Rebel. War. Sydney Fizzard <laughs> understands. Got to get some merchandise. He's a true patriot. He's wearing the merchandise. Go to rebelnewsstore.com. Mocha Bazurgan has been fighting the war since 2016 in Turkey on the Turkish front. A lot of patriots there. They take the fluoride out of the toothpaste there. They've been ahead of the curve. You can be ahead of the curve. Rebelnewsstore.com. Um, do you guys want to talk about um, the release conditions in Coots? Did we already show that video? I'm not sure. Uh, or do we want to go? I know Mocha wants to talk about interest rates. And I'm not even kidding. I don't think I'm ever gonna see inflation go down in my lifetime. Because why would a... it be? Why would it go down? Well, are, are we watching what happened in Turkey unfold here in Canada? Oh yes, yes. It starts slowly, and then it's like compound interest, slowly, slowly, and then it just goes up, just like um, the COVID infection rate when it first started. One case, three case, five case, <laughs> ten case, hundred case, two hundred case. That's well, what's saw, happening with inflation. I saw a good justification for inflation. I forget which outlet it was on, but it was um, some outlet defending the government. The it was CBC was printing the Bank of Canada's statement, of course, acting as their PR arm, and they were saying Pierre Polyev's claim of money printing causing inflation is completely wrong. So they're basically saying that he was literally saying they're just printing endless amounts of money which in a sense, they do print a lot more money, but they were yeah. taking it as, he literally means that that's the only reason for inflation. Think of how stupid he is. The reason why we have so much inflation is because of this, this, and that. And it was just, it's it's so fascinating to watch the state broadcaster produce public relations materials using the taxpayer's money for the Bank of Canada to convince people that it's not the government's fault that there's inflation. It's just not. It's like uh, when you hear people talk about, oh, it's a global recession. There's no way to avoid it. We're just in a global recession. That's what Stephen Harper apologists say. Uh, Stephen Harper just did the best he can during a global recession. Well, that could be partly true, but there are ways to avoid recession. And I think that, uh, you know, 
at sending billions of dollars to Ukraine doesn't help. Uh, you know, yeah. letting people illegal immigrants flood over the border doesn't help. There's a lot of things that go into inflation and, uh, you know, poor markets that aren't just inevitable. And there are decisions that governments can make to to stop them. What was this clip for from CP24 that we just had, Olivia? Okay, let's read up about some of this article. Uh, CP24, just, I call them uh, quick propaganda. There's so much information on screen, it can't possibly be a lie. Let's scroll down a little bit. Uh, the Bank of Canada is raising its key interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point today. The rate hike matches up with Many, what many economists were expecting, bringing the bank's key rate to 3.25%. In the rate announcement, the Bank of Canada says global inflation remains high while the Canadian economy continues to operate in, quote, excess demand, end quote. Canada's year-over-year -year inflation rate was 7.6% in July, easing from 8.1%. Thank the Lords for that, of course. In June, as gas prices fell. However, the bank says its core measures of inflation, which... Uh, tend to be less volatile, continues to move up, and short-term inflation expectations remain high. Given the outlook, the central bank's uh, rates will, sorry, that's cut off, will need to rise further to bring inflation down to its 2% target. This report by the Canadian Press was published. So yeah, CP24, so it's great individual reporting, just copying, pasting a CP Press thing, which of course, who would, you know, there's never any bias in the Canadian press pool at all. It's just all a cycle of garbage. You know, they don't want to pay writers. They'll just take the government money. But I digress, Mocha. Um, we need to go down about another <laughs> another five percentage points, uh, Mocha, for our lives to go back to normal. Do you think that's going to happen under right honorable Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? No, it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's not. It's I, I don't even think it's going to happen after he leaves the office because most of it, most of the acts that he commits will have uh, an effect afterwards. It's like a tsunami. First, you know, the water goes back and then it comes, washes off. Everyone's like, oh, the water is gone. So inconvenient. Well, <laughs> you have no idea what's coming. I mean, we spoke about it. I spoke about it on your show a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. You remember I was saying. We're only suffering the immediate effects of lockdowns, the inflation, the supply chain issues. They're coming next. We haven't experienced it yet. And that's what we've seen. But these intellectuals, these journalists, these people, <laughs> <laughs> they were saying that it's transitory. It's not going to happen. It's just a it, transition oh, phase. It's yeah, exactly. <clears throat> We need to go well, back, I think, in uh, coronavirus, um, you know, the December, um, the January, the February, it took them until March until they admitted that there was uh, an issue. And they knew, I bet, well, I can't say that they knew, but um, it took three months for this, you know, deadly virus to spread until they said something. Okay, well, that's great. How about after it spreads, then we'll lock everybody down. Great job, guys. You know, pat ourselves on the back. And then in the process over the last two years, how many thousands of small businesses have been destroyed? Well, gee, I wonder if that affects the economy. I wonder if that affects our ability to put <laughs> no. food on the table. Well, said so they did know. Remember the military report by uh, he, him, Key and Bexty uh, about the Canadian military from the Wuhan game. So they knew yep. um, if all of a sudden a bunch of your soldiers come down with a quickly spreading illness that you haven't seen before uh yeah. 
then they know something's wrong. They just didn't want to. Yeah. And for three months anything. and for three months after that, it was like, oh, yeah, we're fine. You know, don't look at that. You know, don't worry. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, they 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 own this one, to say the least. I think we need to go back in time and cut some of your um, predictions out of that interview, Mocha, that we had last year. My, oh, it wasn't predict. Predict- I mean, it's just anyone on the street who walks the neighborhood knows. It's just those people who are so high up on in their mind, who is so superior intellectually that we don't we don't understand you. You know, they're telling me, they're telling us inflation is a good thing. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Like, That's oh my true. god, how how stupid that I am! I can't see that. Like, yeah. I can't. Like how? Well, the way I see it is a big part of it with having a fiat system is confidence is what determines the value of the dollar. Now they've shaken that confidence a lot in the last few years, and now we're uh, seeing that uh, uh, bared out with these uh, inflation rises. Uh, but they, I think their goal is to just keep pumping out money, but reestablish the confidence we have in the dollar. Um, that way they can, you know, do whatever they're going to do. But I mean, inflation seems to go in one direction. So What confidence are you talking about? Oh, no, the dollar. There's no confidence left. <laughs> I mean, look at, for example, on the international stage, all the Afghan interpreters that we left that we didn't save that helped us in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. what message does it send internationally to yeah. all the other people who in the future Canadian army might need their help? And they would be like, well, I don't want what happened to the Afghan interpreters to happen to me because you guys failed to keep your promise. Yeah. Same with the money. What the Trudeau did when he enacted the Emergencies Act, he seized the bank accounts of protesters. And what message does that send to anybody who has money in Canadian banks? Yeah. That it's what not safe. What example does that set? It means that the government's going to take it if they want to. And I think what's going to happen is that they're just going to keep pumping. They're pumping all this money into Ukraine. It's been reported that 30% of it they can't track. And that's left-wing U.S. media sources. So you know the number is higher. And they're just going to keep pumping it out, billions to Ukraine, green energy, to Chinese companies that support them and have slave labor in Africa and China. And they're going to keep going until it eventually falls apart. And hey, you know what? At least Hunter Biden's got $13 million in his bank account for crack and, and, <laughs> and ladies of the night. Um, at least Joe's got his, uh, the big guy's got his 10%. At least, you know, Justin Trudeau has his resort home in bc they're going to be fine so once the government collapses they're going to have enough money to go to a country where the government isn't collapsed and they'll still have their their tons of money in foreign currencies but where's that going to leave the average man where's that going to leave the average abdul salem you know working in the i don't acid think there are many average Salems. it's a very <laughs> rare name i pronounced it fine mocha you're wrong okay Go back to the mines. Do we have any? Do we have any paid chats to get to here for the lads out in their crooked time zone? Canadian mom, nineteen ninety-seven. Um, UK government is backtracking tra- now, banning COVID jabs for under twelve-year-olds due to very serious safety concerns. You can't say Good. that. Unbelievable propaganda, right-wing, ableist. Whatever else. Well, and the, the reason why we see this backtracking is because. Uh, they all took orders. It was like, oh, this person from this higher establishment said that. Oh, is this person from the World Health Organization said that. We're going to follow their lead. We're not going to question the science. We're not going to 
do our own due diligence, you know, as like a health Canada or whatever, to actually establish what is true and what is false. We're just going to pass the buck on to the, the higher agency. And now uh, we're seeing that's coming to bite them slowly but surely, and they have to recede because the information is coming in. I mean, right. in what form would they pay a price for being wrong? Um, well, you know, it's nothing. <laughs> nothing. What are they? Gonna, what's going to happen? Nobody gets fired. You fail up in leftist politics. Um, you know, the Ontario science table got dissolved. Now they're making a new one with even more people. Probably going to have a bunch of the same people. Or they just got their bonus and ran. So nothing happens, Voka. And I think you know that. I think you're lying to me. Uh, next one, please. AMT6. Go ahead, Moki. You read this one. This doctor needs to watch the video of Dr. Byram Bridal from a year, year or so ago where he wore 10 masks and was able to steam up his eyeglasses to demonstrate masks don't work. Well, that's another thing. Like, you know, never have they said anytime you see a guy who has a beard and is wearing a mask, there's no point. There's no yeah. point unless you clean shave, you know, with the razor and then you use a little bit of Vaseline on the area where the mask meets your skin to create a proper seal on the mask. Then you're not using it properly. Sorry. I just want to come on. The, 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 the people, they don't want to hear all that rational stuff. They want to hear mask saves the grandma. Do it or you're a bad person. Well, you know, let, wear one of these, you know, blue masks and clean up a house that's full of asbestos. All right. Let's see how that goes. Wow, Sid, really putting us in harm's way. What's that movie where the Aaron Brockovich, Sid Brockovich, setting us up for asbestos poisoning? Okay, I think we got a couple more. Go ahead, Sid. This looks like a good one. <laughs> I would disagree. It says Mocha and Sid, it looks like you guys got the S end of the stick having to work with Andrew. Come on, this uh, got to be something someone this remarked. What, this is what people who like me do. They insult me. Andrew is one of my favorites, I, and I love his merchandise and his show. Thank you. It's a culture I've fostered, unfortunately. I mean, the H on Andrew has to be a French pronunciation. Andrew or something? I don't know. Maybe Arabic. Uh, Mocha would know something about that. Don't He's look from, at me. No, I don't Mocha's know. Mocha's from Saudi Arabia. Arabic. He's been profiting off of oil princes for years That's now. That's not true. That's um, not true. <laughs> I think we got one more. Adam Ottawa says the wacko doctor you showed is rated two out of five stars on ratemds.com. This might be telling of her personality, or maybe people went <laughs> on last night after they saw her and, and made some of those. They're probably not well, a you, lot. Of... You know, let, let's not come to that conclusion. Maybe she's a bad doctor. I'm saying it's possible either way, Sydney. All right. I, I don't think there's I'm the one who called her insane. Who could decide for everyone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyone who gives the decision that yeah, nobody should go outside. Just please get lost. I don't want to see you. Don't get in my eyesight. I might lose myself. He's going to retreat back Wait. to Lebanon, and you guys will never hear from him again. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to a Sid and Mocha podcast. I'd like that to happen. Producer Efron, if you're listening, it can be audio. doesn't matter to me. I would like to listen to it on my drive-in in the mornings. Mocha Bazurgan at 9 Mocha. Sydney, what are your socials? My Sid social, Fizzard. sorry, I'm Sid Fizzard, S-Y-D-F-I-Z-Z-A-R-D. That's for Instagram and Twitter. There you have it, Mocha Bazurgan on Twitter. And of course, follow the Alberta coverage and the Coots documentary available on rebelnewsplus.com. That's going to be it for us. We'll be back another day. Rebelnews.com slash live streams is where you get the...
daily feed for the live stream. And of course, my show tomorrow night is with Uncle Hack with the from the Danger Cats. Uh, Sid's familiar with those people, I assume. Uh, they're about his speed. All right. He's saying no, but he's a comedian that had his latest show canceled because of, you know, mean things, mean jokes non-PC joke, so look forward to that tomorrow night on Rebel News Plus. You can catch us, of course, on Rumble, Odyssey, Getter, and YouTube. We will see you tomorrow at the same bat time, same bat channel. Sid, do you close us out here? Yeah, last thing I wanted to say, guys, is that video that came on uh, as uh, Ezra passed the show to us uh, about the Alex, the Coot supporter, check that out at truckerlawyer.ca. Also... <laughs> <laughs> Check this documentary as well. You I know, said I was the documentary. Do that too, please. But also, um, I'm looking at the time here, and it's lunch o'clock. Wow, so. very good one, Mocha. Sid, sing us out, will you? Sorry, sorry, what? Sing us out. Maybe uh, Young Hearts Be Free Tonight <laughs> by Rod Stewart. But I, uh, I'm grateful to all our viewers who uh, stuck around today. It's nice staying around uh, uh, to you know have a live chat. And Andrew, it's been a long time, so I, uh, I uh, look forward to our next long time. Without you, Sid. Uh, I do not regard any song that <laughs> plays at franchise like Subway, Burger King, or elsewhere. I don't listen to any of them. We should end with a smoke break with Sid. <laughs> I wish, but you're not giving them to us. You're not giving the audience okay. what it's Lots wants. Lots of manpower goes into this live stream, and it's launch o'clock. So let's wrap it up, please. Sid, sing us out. <laughs> Do, Do it. You really want... Okay, you can fade us out anytime. Rebelnews.com slash live streams. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for watching. This is Lewis Brightpool for Rebel look. News, and today I'm in Dungeness outside of the RNLI lifeboats base where weather conditions are looking very good. It's clear skies and the sea isn't as choppy, so I'm hoping to catch a glimpse of a migrant crossing. So the RNLI actually stands for Royal National Lifeboat Institution, where traditionally the RNLI was set up to help people who are either stranded out at sea or in a bit of distress around English waters. But unfortunately, the RNLI is wrapped up in its own controversy for getting involved in the current migrant crisis. The controversy surrounding the RNLI comes from the fact that donators are contributing because they want to help save lives. The donations are not meant for the RNLI to act as a taxi service for the migrants.